0: For March 24th, 2014. It's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 299 Turgid Overlong. Welcome to the Overthinking It podcast, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. Uh, from Los Angeles, I'm Matthew Rather. I don't know why I said uh there, other than it's kind of my trademark at this point. Um, but I know who I am, uh, and I know what I'm doing here, which is hosting the podcast with a panel, including a special guest tonight, uh, because we're going to be delving into the divergent, uh, book and film. And we have, uh, to, to bolster our, uh, YA, Literature credibility, actual celebrated young adult fiction author Shana Malofsky, Shana the unburnt mother of dragons. Welcome to oh, the podcast. That's,
1: that's very nice of you. Thank you, Matt. Uh, Celebrated, sure, I'll take that. Uh, I'm happy to be here, uh, diverging with you. All.
0: <laughs> um, and and we'll uh, we'll get into why you have this particular series of honorifics later on in the podcast. But uh, before we get to that panel, your question this week, your mission in this post apocalyptic podcast landscape, um also known as Chicago, is this. If you were to uh, divide all of humanity into groups based on virtues, human virtues, as they do in Divergent, and we'll explain a little bit more about that later, Um, if you were to pick a virtue that you embody, that you actually have, uh, and cast yourself in a faction of humanity... That was named after this virtue and it, the, everyone embodied this virtue together and you served the body politics somehow by uh, embodying this virtue to the best of your ability, um, forsaking all other virtues and in fact sort of deriding all other virtues because your virtue was the cool one uh, that you embodied and was the, the, the most important um, from your point of view, what would it be? What, what virtue would you pick to govern your faction of humanity? And how would you serve the body politic by, uh, uh, by practicing this virtue to the exclusion of all others? First in the alphabet, it's Peter Fenzel.
2: Hello, Matt. How are you doing today?
0: I am just fine. Oh, God, is yours going to be grammar?
2: Uh, no, not grammar. For, for 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 what is the carving of the craftsman, if not for the quality of the steel? No, I am from the fraction of the diaphragm, which is those who speak with much air in their lungs and forcefully able to project their voice over medium distances with little difficulty naturally, and through practice to play various brass and woodwind instruments with competence from the back row of the orchestra. We would walk around the streets of post-apocalyptic Chicago and say hello to people and spread news through outdoor conversation. (laughs) For Chicago is a windy city where normal voices are lost. (laughs) As the wind blows off Lake Michigan, the other factions, the erudite, the dauntless, the candor, find their voices caught in their throats as the the wake-effect snow blasts away any thought they have of catching an audience. Um For it is not the quality of the word that catches at the air, but the distance it might be thrown. Uh, we have a sub. We have a by of, of ventriloquists uh, <laughs> practice sacred arts. Uh, you can't tell right now, but I'm drinking water while I'm saying this. <laughs>
1: Well done, Pete. Um, I have to, well, actually, hold on. Well, oh. actually, Well, actually. If, if I remember correctly, in uh, Divergent, if we're in the Divergent universe, um, I think the Great Lakes have turned into some sort of uh, marshy area, very dry. So, <laughs> lake effects, no? Not sure. But otherwise, I, I think your faction is perfect. Excellent. I'm just
2: saying, you can try to build the world all you want, but uh, if, if they hear it from me... It's the, it's the tellers who tell history. That's, that's, for, that's for sure. Sad. I'm sad about the Great Lakes. That makes me sad. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Chicago.
0: <laughs> oh, you, mean, you mean the once Great Lakes, Pete?
2: Well, I directed an improv group called Great Lakes. And so like, they're being turned to marshland in this book that I haven't read and this movie I haven't seen. It makes me feel bad about myself. And that's... <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, good. You have neither read the book nor seen the movie. It is an overthinking... I have no
2: idea what you're talking about, Matthew. I speak truth, as to all the diaphragm. Move <laughs> on to the next answer of the question of the week, please.
0: <laughs> yes, sir. You say it with such authority that I cannot but comply. It's Mark <laughs> Lee.
3: I belong to the proud faction of skilled white-collar professionals who, in business meetings, while delivering presentations which are created by a Microsoft program and projected onto the screen, deliver fun pop culture references and non sequitur jokes, which may or may not have anything to do with the meeting or topic at hand, uh, but still provide moments of levity and humor, which often other presenters lack. I am, of course, referring to my proud, very useful faction, the PowerPointless. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't it be powerpoint full you're not powerpoint less no, are you, you're referring to powerpoint I'm, I'm, more I'm playing,
3: I'm playing off of the um of the of the what do you call it the, the clan the faction dauntless exactly mm. yeah um oh. and I, I like this idea that uh this clan this uh this faction that is that is called the PowerPointless um is sort of like so caught up in just riffing off of Dauntless and they wouldn't stop and think about what the, the name of their clan actually meant.
2: I, I thought you were referring specifically to those moments in a business presentation, which perhaps some of our readers have never experienced, <laughs> where in the middle of explaining, say, a complex insurance product, there's like an animated gif of a cow right and it's like chew on this dot 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 and it's like a it's like for levity for some reason or like there's like a picture of a car going over the golden gate bridge and it's like moving on right it's uh it's like uh just to you know just just to break it up just yeah to,
3: like, I, I think the powerpoint list can also throw those things in there but i was mostly referring to to being like you know uh this business process reminds me of uh of making crystal meth Like, as seen on the television show Breaking Bad,
2: (laughs) you watch it. Isn't that funny? (laughs) That's a great kind of PowerPoint joke, where you just show a picture of something everyone likes, (laughs) and that's, like, for a moment, something that isn't what they were previously watching. The definition of a joke in a PowerPoint presentation is anything other than the PowerPoint. (laughs) It's the only requirement for it to be a joke. Doesn't that be funny? It doesn't have to be language or imagery it just has to be something other than what you have to be doing at that moment
1: can it's we can- the joke that there's something outside of the meeting um, <laughs> because you're living in this small universe and even the idea of something outside is just like in your brain it doesn't sort of jibe with what where you are, you know what I mean?
2: I think it's it is absurd. To, yeah, yeah. It, it has to do with, like, I think, and I don't mean to speak for you because it's your faction, Mark, but from my experience, is that anyone who's in a meeting with the PowerPoint presentation going on would literally rather be doing anything else. So for yourself, you have to construct a fictional reality wherein the PowerPoint presentation is the only thing that exists. And thus you can choose <laughs> to pay attention to it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know what I'm you, you, I hear you clucking. I, I, I hear you
0: do you, do you have a favorite – because I, I want to share uh, a couple of my favorite uh, instances of this in PowerPoint. But do you have a favorite one that you've actually done in in your actual real life, Mark, not in your post-apocalyptic Chicago awesome life? Uh,
3: I, I, yeah, I think the first presentation I ever gave to a large group of uh, you know, nonprofit and government officials um, at at, uh, at my city job was uh, – uh, this is not like, an amazing reference unto itself but i just like tossed out and said like you know i am the the robin to this person's batman and that got a lot of good laughs there maybe they hadn't, and i got the sense that um, they weren't used to getting superhero humor uh in their meetings at that point so i was like hey i've nice. arrived the markley show has begun well done and yeah. it had to stop since then because I am the PowerPoint list.
2: <laughs> did I did I ever tell my animated Jeff PowerPoint story? Should I tell it? I think now is the time, Pete. Okay, so at one point, uh, there was a, I saw a PowerPoint presentation where someone put an elliptical circle around a box on a chart, and then got the circle to spin around. Uh, And when this happened, all of a sudden everybody that I worked with really, really wanted to have animations in their PowerPoint presentations and saw this, like, sorcery of this spinning elliptical uh, circular thing as this, like, profoundly impossible thing to do. And they they were just hoping they could find somebody who could do it now. My, part of my team's job at the time was making PowerPoint presentations and we didn't do things like that because they were unprofessional but uh, when someone came to us and was like wow, we really," when our boss came to us he was like we really wish you could do something like that uh, it, it, it's sort of a way of like sort of Flipping them off a little bit, not flipping them off, but like sort of demonstrating that we could do it. We made a presentation where, in the middle of a, of a report on like the housing economy, Goku and Vegeta jumped down from the top of the screen and engaged in a Kamehameha like garlic on <laughs> battle <laughs> in the middle of the PowerPoint slide. I'm not kidding. We got an animated GIF of like the Sega Genesis Dragon Ball Z fighting game and put it into a PowerPoint. Pre- Just like this is what we could do if you wanted it. We think it looks silly, but you can do it. Every-
3: <laughs> oh my god By the way that reminds me of one of the uh, uh, Little known rules of the Overthinking of podcast drinking game Which is chug a pitcher of sangria whenever
0: Pete mentions Dragon Ball Z
2: has <laughs> apples in it I'm allergic So <laughs> Drink for both of us
0: <laughs> I, uh, Pete you stole my thunder mine was uh, i was presenting at an open source conference uh i was presenting about front end development which is fancy talk for writing javascript in my other other life as a computer programmer and um i was pointing out i was i was uh, talking about the latest tools in in uh front end development tooling and and pointing out that compared with back end developers who work on servers or databases or things like this instead of in the browser um front end developers don't get no respect. And I uh, threw a picture of Rodney Dangerfield up uh, up on the 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 screen. Rodney Dangerfield, peace be upon him, um, given his you know famous line. You see Did that th-
3: slay, Matt? Did it just kill?
0: They, I I was really trying in my thing. I don't know. I I had to present after lunch, which, as you know, is the worst slot in a conference yes. Yes, uh, to present because everyone is. Um, everyone is very everyone is very sleepy so that no that did not that did not slay maybe the uh maybe the nerds didn't know who rodney dangerfield is that's a
3: whole that's like a meta dangerfield right the joke about (laughs) not getting respect does not get any respect Uh,
1: he saw it coming
0: (laughs) uh shana miloski you are next in the uh you are next in the alphabet what is your faction
1: Well, last night when I was out uh, Possibly drinking a copious amount of alcohol um, I was talking to friends And uh, some stuff came out of my mouth And I said, you know what? I'm not going to be judgmental anymore But then I was just thinking right now No, being judgmental is amazing And you cannot have a society Without super judgmental people So I've decided my faction is going to be The Judgmentats um, Because Dune Um, And I think there are several reasons you need these people. One, um, they could regulate the other factions, um, whether in a legal sense or just by mocking them. Um, But also, I think in some sort of dystopian society, you need a way to get all the like snarky, awful troll people like me in one place so that the rest of the factions can keep an eye on them. You don't have a revolution. It's sort of like a safety valve for our post-apocalyptic Chicago. So... That's me, Judgmentat, <laughs> or yeah, it sounds like a TV show after Judge Judy is Judgmentat. That's uh,
3: or is that like Reddit.com?
1: <laughs> uh, yes, I guess you're right, but uh, <laughs> that's probably I say that as
3: someone who rarely visits Reddit.com. I don't know. Yes, Pete might uh, want to
1: on I, I also avoid it. So. Yeah, I'm gonna just downvote that comment. Mark,
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: just listen to last week's podcast, and you'll find who can judge you. The answer is only God can judge you. <laughs> Good
1: point.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I was worried all week, Pete. I, w- I was worried, like I really had like anxiety dreams about uh, about God uh,
3: judging you. <laughs>
0: no. <laughs> No, I never have that, Mark. That's what the drinking's for. Uh, no about uh, about mean comments on the on the podcast, and we didn't get any. But I, I realized that uh, I could just write "Only God can judge me" uh, to the uh, yeah. um, to all of our former friends who we had alienated with our uh, with our podcast,
2: yeah. or as um, I like to call them, haters. <laughs>
0: I checked my privilege and my privilege was good.
2: Yes. And then I reclaimed my privilege at the end of the night and tipped the privilege checker a dollar just for good measure.
0: Right. Because that's as the, as the right. It's my prerogative as one of the privilege to give tips. I arrogate myself the tip giving privilege. Um, So my, uh, um, I, I'd like to demonstrate my, um, my virtue here. Pete uh, earlier in your story, uh, about powerpoint y- you referred to the first animation um the seminal animation that sent everyone off to find their own animations for their powerpoint presentations uh as an elliptical circle
2: <laughs> all right i'll show myself out i'm sorry
1: <laughs> i'd like to that went to the gym <laughs>
2: By, <laughs> By like which I mean, round, it looks exactly so. like a circle, but it's a little sweaty. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and i just like to say that, well, actually, uh, oh. all circles are, in fact, ellipses. Um, but the uh, our, isn't it that the foci are, are the same point, uh, right? I, I'm not saying that I'm a mathematician. I'm saying that I'm a pedant. And um, in the, the, uh, the pedantic faction... We practice pedantry to the exclusion of all other virtues. We go around uh performing very important f- services like correcting signs uh like rewriting instructions to make them accurate you know like um, uh, uh changing the times of things so that the buses uh show up when you expect them to and uh the clocks are are all standardized. We provide uh a reliable society. We provide a, a society uh where you can count on the correctness of the information that you're getting uh at least, you know, from public offices and things like this. We are like the Department of Weights and Measures and things. We are the pedants. Uh the pede- the let's see um, let's, let's peg it to one of the, the ones we are, the pedantors, like the cantor, like the, um,
1: speaking of that, uh, can your first act as the pedantor in charge be to make sure that all the faction names are in the same part of speech?
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, as yeah, <laughs> It's
1: really weighing on me.
0: As opposed to some being nouns and some being adjectives. Yes. Um,
1: what yeah. is with that? Come on, guys. What is with that?
2: So you guys are talking about the actual Divergent universe, where there are factions, yes. not just our own examples, which I feel like are more consistent in the way they've been <laughs> named than the ones that are in the Divergent universe. Uh, but, I mean, this, we should make this a fairly friendly podcast for people who aren't familiar with Divergent, because based on what I'm hearing about the quality of the film that just came out, uh, most of the people aren't going to be fans of Divergent, so we should speak to them uh, as such. I know
0: that, um, that, that Shannon and I have both, have both read the novel um, – the the uh did you see the film, Shanna?
1: I have not, um, on your recommendation. So
0: I'm so. the only guy who saw the film. Uh yeah. I guess we should issue a spoiler alert for um uh I, I guess we should issue a spoiler alert for divergent, both book and movie, but I mean, what is there to spoil really in these in these um sorts of stories, right? Well, like the protagonist comes of age. Spoiler alert.
1: I was gonna say, have you read the Hunger Games? Because I'm pretty sure the Hunger Games is a spoiler for Divergent. <laughs> huh.
0: I actually think, well, I actually think that like the 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 text that I was thinking of as being the most important kind of like intertext for uh, for Divergent is actually Top Gun. <laughs> And I, I have a lot I want to say about diversion as a type of Top Gun, but uh, let's let's um let's talk a little bit about about Game of Thrones first. So, uh, Shannon, you went to the big Game of Thrones to do uh, in New York. Can you? Can
1: That's you... what it was called. <laughs> the... No, actually, it was called the Epic Fan Experience, which I don't know if it's as good as a to do, honestly.
0: What um what did you experience as an Epic fan?
1: Well, um, first we got there fairly early, uh, before six, I think, uh, the the doors opened, and we waited in line for a time and checked our phones, uh, because they really did not want us to be filming the premiere, which is what we saw. Um, And so I guess it hasn't leaked. So well done, security guards, who were sort of creepy looking. Um, Anyway, we go inside to the Barclays Center, and uh, there were surprisingly more lines. But one of those lines... Led to uh, the Iron Throne, um, which you could sit on and have your picture professionally taken. Um, I was interested to see while I was waiting in line that most people. were in character when the picture was taken. And they were basically uh, doing one of two characters. Um, You either had the Joffrey, where they would slouch and um, everything would be out in the open. Um, I don't know if you've seen Parks and Rec uh, recently, they had Adam Scott in the Iron Throne doing the the Joffrey slouch, which I also call the Pharaoh slouch, because Passover's coming up soon. Um, And then the other group of people did the Ned Stark, where you put put your fingers sort of on your chin, your mouth, and you look pensive. Um So that was, you know, variations on a theme. But so people, did po-
0: it, people posed as opposed to... Almost I mean, everyone. But what's the what's the alternative, really, right? Like this whole setup like is smile. so... Yeah, right, like sit on the edge and, like, clap your hands like, oh, boy, oh, boy, I'm on the Iron Throne, goodie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I, I tried to mix it up and do, I mean... I have never seen Cersei on the Iron Throne, but I did what I thought maybe Cersei would do if she were on the Iron Throne, so I'm trying to make it a little sultry. Um, I don't know if I pulled it off, but it's on Facebook, so you can all judge for yourself. Um, and then after that, um, we went, uh, they had costumes out there from the show, which were very beautiful. Um, I am shocked by how tiny, um, I forget her name, who plays Daenerys, her, uh, her waist is. It's about the size of my leg, I think, is her waist. Um, and then we went inside uh, to the giant Barclay Center, and who was there but Common, the rapper on the <laughs> Game of Thrones mixtape, did a, a whole like, show of three separate songs, the first of which uh, was, I don't remember if this is the title of the song, but he did repeat it very frequently, which is, Life is like a Game of Thrones, which is so true. Um, however, the part
2: I... <laughs> I'm taking over that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I signed up for the epic Game of Thrones fan experience at the Barclays Center in New York City. And I get there. I sit on the game, on the, on the Iron Throne itself. I look at costumes from the show. I walk through the big double doors, and there's Common, just as I always dreamed. standing so there with Erica Badu. Yeah, exactly. Just singing songs. I'm sorry. I'm like crying. I'm laughing so hard at that idea. I'm <laughs> so sorry.
1: The thing that uh, bothered me a little bit about the song was, uh, I believe the lyric is, life is like a Game of Thrones, um, you live or you die, which, I mean, that, yes, that's obvious, either you li- you're you living or you are dead, but that's not what they say in Game of Thrones, Common. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Like play or you die.
2: It's like a whole subgenre of music that I like to call songs from movies where someone else told the singer what the movie was about. (laughs) And includes such hits as, uh, I guess we're going to have to take control from Ghostbusters 2, uh, where Bobby Brown recounts the plot of Ghostbusters 2 but gets a bunch of the details incorrect because they were relayed to him by a third party. Or
0: or, uh, R. Kelly's Gotham City. Yep. Right, which yes, contains yes. the which contains the lyrics a city of justice, a city of peace, a city of love for every one of us. Which is de- <laughs> definitely not what Batman is about.
1: Is that gonna be the theme song for the new uh Gotham TV show? Because I'm gonna be sad if it's not at this point.
2: And of course we could forget T U R T L E Power, which famously identifies Raphael as the leader of the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> so- just unforgivable as far as i'm concerned and i don't know why they haven't yet special edition that song or why the person who made it hasn't issued it's like a really official formal apology and just re-recorded a version that identifies leonardo appropriately as who leads him what leads
0: (laughs) the um uh i I gotta take it way back Pete uh, to a, a little family that uh, do what they want to do say what they want to say <laughs> live how they want to live play how they
2: want to play want <laughs> dance how they want to dance kicking their stuff I no no kicking they
0: slap a friend right like oh. and that is not what the Adams family do they are in <laughs> fact hospitable and gracious in like a very old world European uh, <laughs> kind of way they do not kick and they slap a friend I'm gonna verify those little lyrics on wikipedia right now just because they seem <laughs> so improbable to me um so are you did you have to sign a, uh, a a giant non-disclosure agreement to see the the first episode
1: oh no i don't uh, i didn't but uh th- wait there's it? more
0: oh oh sorry before before we even oh, get sorry. to the episode
1: Oh no, there was more because who should come out? But and I don't remember any of their names. Although Amelia Clark is the name of Daenerys. Okay, I remember that. But but the guy who plays Hodor. And <laughs> guess what the people in the audience said? You will not guess. <laughs> they said Hodor. Oh. very loudly.
2: Yes. I um, bring back common. I want to hear.
1: <laughs> yes, that's what
2: everyone was clamoring for. More as, as a soulful and romantic middle-class black man. I really want to hear. Some more you know, comp. you know.
3: Speaking of Passover and of Game of Thrones, I mean, like, if Shana only got to sit on the Iron Throne,
1: Dainu. Yeah. Well, there, there was more, Mark, but go on. It was like four glasses of wine. Good.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, you know how the rest of it goes, right? You know, if if if, if only common rap about Game of Thrones. <laughs>
2: Dianu.
1: So oh, true. Man. Wow, this know, is it's, a very
2: common, it's always the, the common who suffers when the nobles play, their, the great houses play their game. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: so as someone who has never
3: seen Game of Thrones nor read the book, so somebody knows very little about Game of Thrones, I still like very much know, I recognize the Iron Throne itself when I see it. And like, um, Shana, when you mentioned that episode of Parks and Rec, I saw that and was like totally getting it until totally understood why Ben was so excited. To sit on the Iron Throne. So, I mean, like, I have to ask, right? Is the Iron Throne at this point, like, uh, the most important piece of pop culture furniture out there? Has this supplanted oh. Captain Kirk's uh, original captain's chair from the original Star Trek series?
1: Hmm. Any type of furniture. I, I would have to think about this for a long time. The Simpsons couch, Maybe.
3: Yeah, we actually did a whole like uh, think take piece on overthinking it about our favorite pieces of pieces of fictional furniture and Simpson's couch was definitely on the list.
0: God, what what haven't we written on overthinking it? We really should just pack well, just up
2: shut it
1: down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we got to declare victory at some point.
2: No, this is a war without victory, no defeat, no surrender. The, is this, the war on terror wasn't won Just because we won all right? <laughs> The war on overthinking Continues to this day right. Look, We live in a grim dark future in which there is only war Alright, that's
1: But it said mission accomplished
2: it, it did, it did no, the, the emperor on his golden throne never has a mission accomplished Banner behind him mm-hmm. Because the forces of the warp will come forward And will overwhelm the imperium of man Uh Anyway, sorry. Speaking of the Imperium of Man, Shana, what else was in the Game of Thrones thing?
1: Oh, so um, Hodor actually brought out uh, George R. R. Martin, which is cool. Oh, um, wow. and the first thing he said was, Yes, I'm working on it. <laughs> which people found <laughs> that poor amusing. Guy.
2: Can we, yeah. can we I feel can we, very bad for him actually. Can you go into that a little bit more? I mean I would go into it myself, but I want to hear someone else say it so I don't think I'm crazy. I mean but given like,
0: given how often I, I bother you, and I have bothered you at least once about the sequel to your book, Shana, I think you you must know <laughs> uh, something, about what, uh, something about what something uh, about what George R R is going through.
1: Well, uh, the sequel situation with my book is more based on sales. So, uh, hey, guys, buy my book. Buy she, um, everyone, buy, buy Shane's book. Yep. Um, but, I, I mean, writing a book is difficult. Um, if uh, I were to write a sequel for my book, it would be um, many of the same characters, but I think a different point-of-view character. Uh, you have to switch it up. And yep. George R. R. Martin has been writing these books for, what, 20 years now? I, I understand why he's you know dragging his feet a little bit because that that is tough and plus like he's gone through every single food that you could have eaten and <laughs> just, like, just like just
2: run out. Well, I don't know. That's what's going to happen. That's what happens in the series is they run out of food, right? Well, like it, 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 like winter. winter, it's winter is coming. Yeah, yeah they had they, food?
0: they had a long, long <laughs> summer in Westeros, right? And so yeah. they didn't store up enough you know grain and whatnot. They didn't cure enough vegetables. Uh, or whatever. It sounds
2: like you're joking, but that's going to be the major conflict of the next book. Right? <laughs> I mean, that's, I guess, a bit of a spoiler in that, like, winter eventually shows up. And with winter comes, like, a shortage of food. But I have my own theories about what's going to happen, so I won't go into those because we don't want to do Game of Thrones spoilers for this thing. But
1: Yeah, I was thinking that, too. Um, but, so, uh, beyond George R. R. Martin, um, they also brought in, um, the woman who plays Shay, um, and the guy who plays Sam, who, when asked um, what other character he would want to play, said Jamie Lannister. So just think about that. Um <laughs>
2: And like then, in a burlesque review, or like
1: <laughs> <laughs> just it just to be good, um, and people laughed, and he he said, "Why why are you laughing?" And it was amusing, sad, um, and they also brought in Maisie Williams, who plays Arya, who is so cute that I just want to pack her up and just put her in a backpack and carry her around. She's so very adorable, and uh, very someone someone should some
0: franchise that girl. <laughs>
1: Yes. <laughs> and uh, without spoiling anything, um, the premiere I liked quite a bit. Um, it had a lot of exposition with um, people telling each other sort of who they were and what their goals were, which it could be a little clunky, but you know what? I have friends who have not read the book who watch the show, and they're always asking me, wait, who's that? Who are they related to? So I understand why they did that. But over the overall, the premiere is excellent. Um, the last scene will blow your mind and if you like Aria, there's some some Aria there. A lot of Aria.
2: Did Common sing an Aria? <laughs> did Common do a and Dorma? I hope he did. What?
1: <laughs> yes, and then he dropped the mic. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes. And
1: that is the epic fan experience of Game of Thrones. So if you ever want to have that experience I guess you will have to wait until I'm sure they'll have it next year.
2: Can I ask a semantic question? Go for it. Was it? (laughs) That doesn't sound sincere. Are you sure? (laughs) Just semantically. Did you mean that sincerely?
1: (laughs) Sounds insincere.
0: All right, Pete. That was your semantic question. Moving.
2: I (laughs) wanted to ask. I wanted to ask. Was it an an epic experience for fans, or was it an experience for epic fans?
1: I mm, I really don't know. Um, I would say we weren't that epic. If you look at pictures of people in costume, I think on Vulture, the New York Magazine website, they had some of the pictures of people who dressed up. weren't that many. I think they took mm, seven pictures, and that was about it. So not as epic as one would hope.
2: So it was more of an epic experience. The epic fans themselves were not so epic. 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 Common, so with common, of course. Who wears a, a panoply of hats? <laughs> Common in his hats, people. Common in his hats.
1: (laughs) Oh, by the way, you could have won um, a replica of of, (laughs) a replica of the Iron Throne. They picked someone randomly from the audience to get it. And I was crossing my fingers that I would not um, because, uh, as George R. R. Martin said, oh, yeah, that's exactly what you want in a New York apartment.
3: <laughs>
1: but uh, some lucky guy got it, and he looked very excited. And, in fact, um, all of the actors on stage and George R. R. Martin were looking at him like they wanted him to get off the throne and leave. And there was a little awkward moment, and then um, I think he was the guy who played Hodor said, all right, you could stay here, sure, stay on the throne. So he did.
0: I mean, it was his. It was his now. It was his. Yeah. You know, he won. No one died, but he won.
1: He <laughs> did. Well, you don't know that no one died, as far as you know.
0: I guess you live or you die
2: now. Common died? They killed Common? You <laughs> bastards.
1: Oh, I forgot the best part, and it wasn't really the best part, but before Common came on, they brought in a marching band to play <laughs> the game from theme. Yes. So the first actually Gosh. they came in um there was a drumline as in the movie drumline line I I think inspired by the movie drumline and then they played the game of thrones theme and then left uh drum drum lining is that the verb anyway so if you ever, I mean when we were in a marching band, we could have also done the Game of Thrones theme. I think we would have been better, honestly, but because uh, they didn't have any guitar shredding uh, courtesy of Mark Lee, unfortunately.
3: Um, if we were in a marching band if, if we were, never mind, I was going to say that, you know, if we would if we also had Time Traveler could see to the future because when we were in a marching band uh, the Game of Thrones and HBO didn't exist. The but books were that's out, and we
1: could have imagined the theme song, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> think about it.
0: <laughs> um so uh well that i mean that sounds i i think they should take the whole thing on tour i know they did it at south by but uh you know at, at south by southwest and in, in austin thank you
2: I, did you were you really gonna call it south by because i was going to lose my lose my isht <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: yes i really was i don't know don't don't all your hipster friends call it that like me
2: I don't. If all my hipster friends jumped off a bridge, then I would jump off a bridge three years later, like every other normal person.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So um, we will have uh, in in the show notes links to um, uh, you know Commons hats, links to uh, uh, Shayna's book Hammer of Witches, which we all wholeheartedly recommend, uh, and links to um, the Adams Groove lyrics. Uh, by MC Hammer, the greatest furniture in fiction on the Think Tank. Uh, But now it's time for us to diverge.
2: No, but you... There was another link that we could put in the show notes that I have already suggested and you skimmed over, which is my Google Image search of Commons hats, which I recommend be put in the show notes.
0: Did I not... Did I not... Oh, did you Sa- say it? Did no, I, I don't say that? I think
1: you did, but it it deserves uh, another mention. Absolutely,
0: it's guys. It's been a long day, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So so common hats are going to be in the uh, in in the show notes, um, which includes at least as I uh, as I do this Google image search, a um, a photo of Kate Middleton wearing a hat. Uh, because perhaps it's common. She's per- a commoner? <laughs> not, any- I, not anymore. She's, she's, like in a, she's in HRH now, isn't she? Yeah,
1: okay. Ask the Queen what she thinks of that. <laughs>
0: um, and also, uh, something from, uh, from Signs, uh, the film Signs, with Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix was in Signs, right? Directed by M. Night Shyamalan. And uh, they're all wearing. They're that all wearing, is
2: correct. You are correct for 100 points,
0: man. <laughs> for uh, they're all wearing tinfoil hats uh, in the film signs, uh, and it's a uh, it's an article about a Common Core, uh, the educational standards. So
3: guys, guys, did, did we all just miss the golden opportunity to make the joke that Kate Middleton is in fact playing the Game of Thrones? <laughs> ah, come <laughs> on.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you, I, you win. Listening here. I haven't seen Game of Thrones I In my fan it. theory, Kate Middleton is working with the Italians <laughs> It's all part of the the great Italian conspiracy for the throne of England Which is really the, uh Is that not cool? Is that not fun? Is it not fun to talk about real imaginary How throne How dare conspiracy? you <laughs> I'm sorry Guys, you should talk about Divergent Because it's the pop culture phenomenon of the weekend <laughs> That isn't the Muppet movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Is it really? I guess it be, did. It beat the buck, the, the Muppet movie at the box office. I don't know. Maybe the internet could tell me something about something about that. Yes. it. Oh yeah. It did by a factor of like five. Uh, it yeah. beat the, the Muppet uh-huh. movie at the, at the box office. So yeah. Divergent um, starring the daughter from the descendants and boy, the descendants was a really good movie. You guys remember the Descendants, a year or two ago? Uh,
1: I remember Hawaii. Yeah, place.
0: It was about it was about Hawaii. Uh, George Clooney was in it. You remember George Clooney? Probably. I remember
1: George Clooney from Outer Space.
0: Right. So so if you take the astronaut from. Uh, from Gravity and mix it with Hawaii. Um, what you get is basically something like uh, something like Divergent. No, Divergent <laughs> is a uh, is a set of of young adult novels. The the third and final of which was just released a few months ago uh, in in at the very end of, of 2013. Um, they are by I want to say the author is Veronica Roth. Am I am I wrong? That's
2: right. It's actually a pseudonym for George R. R. Martin. That's why he hasn't written the Winds of Winter yet. It's right. <laughs>
1: Curse him! <Yeah. laughs> it's
2: um, in his world. We're all just living in it. <laughs> him in common.
0: <laughs> uh, and her website is um, looks like
2: www. george r martin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the the Winds of Winter. dot com. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and, and it takes place in a uh, – this this uh, set of novels it takes place in a, a sort of post-apocalyptic or sort of dy- dystopian future Chicago uh, wherein all of, of humanity, which as far as we know at the outset of the first book is just the citizens of Chicago – um, are divided up into five factions, uh, based on five cardinal virtues, which are like, uh, courage, honesty, happiness, intelligence, and the fifth one. Oh, and, uh, service, right? Selflessness. And, uh, they, um, they are, uh, uh, assigned or or recommended to one of these virtues by a high-tech test, which involves sitting in a chair and, I don't know, getting something injected in your neck. And, uh and they, or drinking something or, you know, I don't
2: know, having electrodes attached
0: to your, you know, insert... Te-
1: didn't te- they ask some questions as well? Insert I
2: technology I here. You see a turtle on its back in the middle of the road.
1: Actually, I yeah, I think that's exactly it. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> <laughs> no, didn't that happen?
2: It's yeah. not, it's that's not Blade unlike Runner. That's the yes. Void Comp test they used to detect androids in Blade Runner with the camera on the guy's eyeball where they're like, tell me about your mother. You know, why aren't you turning over the turtle? It's dying, and, <laughs> and, and, and an android is like flipping the table.
0: No, actually, literally, the the choice in the book is um, uh, in front of you. There is a piece of cheese and a knife.
2: Choose. Oh, yes. Wait, are you kidding me? No. You need a knife to cut the piece of cheese. I mean oh, – do that like how you get to be intelligent? You're like, uh, I want to be in the intelligent group, so I'm going to use the knife to cut the cheese up and eat it in smaller bite-sized pieces. And I suppose we should
0: say that from this point we're, we're going to talk about Divergent spoilers. But like but, – yeah. but really, really, like the young woman comes of age. Like that's the, that's the plot.
2: In front of you is some pate and a sesame cracker. (laughs) Make a choice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You must choose. Um, I read today, and I forget who said it on Twitter, but that Divergent is a story of a girl's struggle. um, That she is pretty smart, nice, and athletic all at the same time. That's Divergent.
2: It's, it's really, really hard. hard. Life is hard sometimes. It's, it's kind <laughs> of an issue. It's an issue for people.
0: Though,
1: though actually, the, the book kind of calls
0: out the fact that she's not pretty. And and actually, in, in the book, another character says, like her boyfriend in the book says, Yeah, okay, so you're not pretty. So what? I like you anyway. <laughs> 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 Which is supposed to be progressive, but I think leaves something <laughs> to be desired. <laughs> um,
2: so why can't she just do what all of us do and let our talents lie fallow as we live as a suitably front frustrating life. Does she come up with some sort of way of breaking, breaking through society? I don't
0: know, Pete. You, you are indeed pretty loud.
2: <laughs> That's true. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm living proof. Live your dreams. Don't <laughs> di- diverge. <laughs> look, you. all you have to do is look within yourself, and that learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all. I believe the children are our future. No okay, so the problem so wait so and, and the like pro-
0: and the problem is the problem uh, is that she doesn 't fit, fit neatly into one of the categories, and the the like the the cheese knife uh, experience does not work on her. Um, she is not neatly categorized into a group, she goes into a different group than the one that she uh, she was born into. Uh, you see, because you're born into a group because you have to have parents. Um, and uh, But you can choose a different group if, in fact, your original group is not um, the most uh, uh, suited to, to your personality. And she goes into a different group. She goes into the awesome group where they beat each other up and get tattoos and stuff. I'm not joking. And... Uh, and um, ends up saving the world from an evil plot uh, from the smart the smart group um, because the smart group doesn't like the uh, doesn't like the selfless group uh, because they won't let them have nice things. Again, again, not joking, right? Like this, this is the sort of world, this is like a Hunger Games. I, I think it doesn't even attain the Hunger Games level of world building, which is that like, um, if you if you follow the logical conclusions out three hops, the whole thing collapses into to chaos. I think here, if you follow the world building out Two hops the whole thing really collapses into
2: so, so into what, chaos. can I ask some divergent world building questions <laughs> yes and I' I'll,
0: I'll, I'll be quiet and let Shana answer them because I've been talking oh it's out. been
1: a while since I read the book so, so if I don't know the answer I'm just gonna make shit up so if you're if, you're
2: if you're <laughs> in the group that values like like this sort of physical stuff and you like get tear your ACL Like, what happens to you? Do they shoot you? Like, what do they do to somebody whose primary virtue is, like, physical aggressiveness, who then, like, needs a hip replacement or something?
1: I don't remember. I know there was um, a list... (laughs) <laughs> uh, like it was sort of like, uh, you would get points very similar to Harry Potter, except with, uh, like being in the army almost. So I assume if you hurt yourself, you would go very far down to the bottom of the list. There were people, um, in the book, I, uh, I was told this didn't happen in the movie who died because they just couldn't cut it, um, but I don't remember what happens if you actually just hurt yourself and you could conceivably get better.
2: Yeah. Are there people in the erudite group who have strokes? So they're, they're, and they're defined by their intelligence, but then they have like a, a brain aneurysm and they lose an amount of their intelligence or you something. You see,
0: Pete, what you've done is you've taken the crucial third hop. Yeah.
1: <laughs> into you're,
2: you're diverging. I <laughs> I I'm diverging too much. So I should have stayed closer to it, which is the whole idea of like, well, how can happiness be a personal virtue that doesn't make any sense? Is that? <laughs> well,
0: uh, no, what you should have done you... is uh, – sorry, Shannon, you go ahead.
1: Oh, sorry. Um, as we're talking here, I there's like one thing that could fix the society really, and you wouldn't have any divergent people. Is um.
2: Stop it. Common could do it. (laughs)
1: Correct. But also, um, you think about in Harry Potter, they have a very similar sorting system, but it's with a hat, so it's better. Um, And one of the four options is just Hufflepuff. And some people say, oh, Hufflepuff, they're just the nice ones. But that's not it. That's not what the sorting hat says. The sorting hat says Hufflepuff is just for everyone else. So that's what they need in Divergent (laughs) World. They just need one group that's just for everyone else who's just not, not that great or is great but at things that aren't one of those five things
2: so so let me tell you a little brief story about my growing up which is that we had a bunch i have four sisters and we all had a bunch of different kinds of toys uh and we had a big basement that we'd play with our toys in and the basement would constantly be littered with toys and i had ninja turtles and transformers and my sisters had barbies and my little ponies and each kind of toy had its basket and those baskets were each in a in dimension and in location to the quality and size and heaviness of the toy. You would not put a heavy toy on a high shelf. You would put a heavy to- toy on the floor. And there was a classification system. But we also had a basket called miscellaneous. <laughs> and if you guessed that after a couple years we had a second basket called miscellaneous and a third <laughs> basket called miscellaneous, you would be correct. Uh, I, would, I would posit that as time approaches infinity, the proportion of an arbitrary class classification system that approaches miscellaneous uh, <laughs> approaches 100%. Uh, but no, I mean, I don't know. I, have we said, talked a couple times on this podcast about how classification is a poor substitute for knowledge? Probably, yeah. Yeah, probably. And so it's like – so basically it's like we we don't really know how to con- – like – so. To, when you want to pretend that you know about how everything works, you just make up a system that divides it up into categories, and by dividing it up in categories, you seem to create an architecture for it. But really what you've just done is, is, you, is a quality of categories, not a quality of the system that you're describing.
0: Really, as the, as the number of overthinking a podcast approaches 300, the, the answer to the question, have we talked about X, uh, asymptotically approaches
2: yes – Right, right, right so wait so what's let me it. ask this from an economic perspective what's the benefit <laughs> of separating people by their talents uh, into these facts, is
0: there, there an economic benefit. <laughs>
2: okay, uh, it's and a that's metaphor. That's, <laughs> what,
0: Pete, <laughs> Pete, Pete? My God, Pete, you insist on taking that crucial third hop. What you <laughs> have to understand is that, like, I'm a teenage girl. The grownups are trying to classify me, man, and that's <laughs> bad because I'm what? a lot of things. I am vast. I contain multitudes.
1: But people, teenagers especially, really do want to classify themselves. I feel like this ha- all has to do with this crisis of our time. No, no, this is
0: post-apocalyptic to, yeah. Chicago, Shana. They've never right, seen the right.
2: Breakfast Club.
1: Oh, good point. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> never mind. You've thrown a wrench
2: into my entire. <laughs> no, no, no Shana, keep talking. You probably are correct.
1: <laughs> so all the, this, uh, you know, all these BuzzFeed quizzes where you click things and then they tell you what character you are, and um. <laughs> I, what? Say that again?
2: I'm Daenerys. I exactly. No, I'm Tyrion.
1: Oh, I, I'm Tyrion. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. my God.
2: What? They're the same. So true. Oh, I'm, I'm Arya, a- y'all. <sighs> I'm
0: Come a ninja. Us. Oh, indeed. indeed.
3: Okay. <laughs> so, let's get the brass tacks here, right? Like, different youth slash young adult fictions that have these factions or uh, um, districts, or schools, Hufflepuffs, and whatnot. Like, you know, a lot of the stuff is out there, right? It's like, why is it then that, like, Harry Potter and the Hunger Games work? And I say work at a very broad level, not just about their whole, you know, classification or lack of classification systems. So why is it that those things work? And why is it it seems like in Divergent it doesn't work? Why are we deriding? Why is is it that it seems like the Divergent... Um, it, it both the book and the movies, in some ways, are more of an object of derision, whereas, uh, you know, we call the Hunger Games thought-provoking.
1: It, we do? What, do we? <laughs> <laughs> no, I like the Hunger Games and Divergent in the same way, which is I find them diverting. Um, diverting, divergent. Mm. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, they do not hold together post, Uh, you know, the three hops, as you say, so... Yeah, well it's so, not I mean look I I
0: think that that both novels and I I read the the divergent novel like really quickly. I sort of gulped it down, right? It wasn't like it wasn't like I read a few pages and then wanted to throw the book uh across the room, you know? I I I read it and I enjoyed it. Um the it, it occupied a nice uh nice few hours on my vacation this weekend. But uh but, yeah, it's, if you're looking for a, like, internally consistent sort of logical set of uh, a world building, uh, you're not going to find it. Or, or in The Hunger Games, you're not going to find it there. They, they, they have virtues, but they aren't, they aren't those virtues. Um, they, aren't, they aren't even really literary virtues, uh, especially in the case of Divergent, which is um, just littered, littered with one-sentence paragraphs like this. Or this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so hey, the one sentence paragraph. I, okay, I, di- I,
0: yeah. oh, I just did two. I just did two in a row. Hey,
1: Boom. Hey, I'm hey, gonna do hey, one hey, word hey, paragraph. The, the, wrong. One sentence, <laughs> the one sentence
3: paragraph. All right, all right. In 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 a uh, you know post apocalyptic world, right? Paragraphs are divided into five factions, <laughs> and one of them is the one sentence paragraph faction, and it has a very valuable purpose and function. It the states point. something by itself, and that's it.
1: What yeah. do you want? A, just a chapter of a book that's just like one long sentence? Come on, no one would ever do that. <laughs>
2: um, so, okay, can I can I raise a, a more serious question about Harry Potter, The Hunger Games, and Divergent? Okay, yes, okay. So, if you must, so for me, the the sentence that really ties the Hunger Games together as a series uh, is, and this isn't really very spoilery, is from Mockingjay, where uh, where we're told. That uh or and it might have even been from an interview I read after mocking Jay, but where the point where the point of the story is sort of revealed by the author to be the truth is that women like Katniss should, girls like Katniss should not have to exist. They should not exist. Right? And that the Hunger Games series in general is about how uh this girl's life is similar to the lives of people who are suffering in the real world and dealing with all these sorts of intractable intractable problems, and it is such a freaking shame that they have to live through this nonsense and this garbage and this pain and all they – you know, the things that they want and the things that they should have are not at all related to the world that they live in, right? So in in this sense, like, Katniss Everdeen is a a person who should not exist. If there is – and I'm not saying she should be banished to oblivion. I'm saying she should have been someone else. And, uh, and Harry Potter is similarly the boy who lived – Right is, is one of the, the epithets. It's the first chapter of the first book of Harry Potter. There is a sense throughout the, the books of Harry Potter that you know, he, he shouldn't be alive. right? He's, his parents died. You know, uh, the man who should not be named, so I'm not going to curse our podcast by naming him, uh, should have killed him. And the way that the story comes full circle is by this man actually killing him. And he only really sort of endures out of a sort of Pollyannish deus ex machina and all of that nonsense. But it's not like Harry Potter's very existence... Uh, is a fact that's sort of contrary to what we should expect from these stories, and it's about his struggle against his role in the world. And it seems to me that even though by the title, and this is just based on how you're describing it, uh, and also what I've read about it independently, I guess, in terms of the media reaction to this, even though this this woman, this girl, uh, Tr- uh, is it Tris, Beatrice? That's right. Um, in, in The Divergent is, is identified by the plot of the book, and by the plot of the movie, and by the name of all of it, as a Divergent, as someone who shouldn't be there as someone who shouldn't exist it seems to me as if what the story is actually saying is that this is the person who should exist right like this is the girl who should be like this we want this kind of person in the world this is the kind of person who's going to make the world a better place and in that sense the existence of the hero sort of defies uh it it seems more similar to katniss and to harry potter than it really is um, when really it's it's more of a straight down the middle sort of glorification story of this kind of spirit, and and less of a sort of tragic story where the person is intention. I mean in a Bill Dunks roman, in a coming-of-age story, there has to be a tension where the main character butts up against a world. Well, there has to be, but there generally is a tension in which the main character butts against the world, and at some point, it gives, or they, they give too, and the person comes to live in the world in some way. Um, so I'll ask this, like, is the divergent character someone who is just going to, like, go out there and break the system and fix everything and be the new paragon, and this is the person that we should think is awesome? Or is there some element of complexity or tragedy wherein like the system really does crush this person in a meaningful way because that's what I think makes Harry Potter and Katniss Everdeen have an internal life that's worth following is the way in which they actually have to deal with their situation instead of like having some sort of instead of having a romp Basically, where it's like, hey, here's a whole bunch of, instead of Frank Underwooding it, where it's like, hey, Frank Underwood, here's a bunch of problems that are trivial. <laughs> your skills and capabilities. Why don't you solve them for us and do it in as theatrical a way as possible? Right? Like, um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know that much about Tris, but I suspect that she, it seems to me like she wouldn't really face meaningful obstacles. Um, that she just faces like this, the theater of meaning, where really she is the world. And the world around her is just like a window dressing to make her like the awesome thing that she is. And then the question is, is she really that awesome to deserve that world that's built around her?
1: I feel like I can't answer the question because I only read the first book. Um, From what I saw in the first book, it seemed like it was sort of trying to go for the Katniss Everdeen thing. But um, it, it was more yeah, sort of what you were saying, like, oh, there's here's this cool girl, and it was like, it was a romp, it was just a very dark, you know, grim, dark romp, you know, <laughs> I, I don't want to spoil anything, but, it, you know, there are eruptions of violence, let's say that, and I didn't, even though it was dark and people do die, I guess that's a spoiler, but yes, people die in this book. Um, you know, I, I didn't necessarily feel the weight that I felt with Katniss, like, Uh, that her entire personality has sort of been maybe ruined in a way um, and that it's, yeah, sort of a a tragedy that this is happening. It seemed more of a... Like, hooray! This is happening. Like, it's terrible, but yes, go Tris. I don't know if you agree that. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, no, I, I, I agree that, like, that. Um, a lot of it, and this is the sort of Top Gunification, right? Like, of, or this is not even Top Gunification. It's the the book is occupied with her, like, her uh, journey through the training program for her faction, uh, where she learns to kick ass right and and the um the uh the book doesn't end this way the 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 film which is is turgid overlong directed without any visual sense uh whatsoever and sort of incompetently structured uh improves on the book in in uh one respect in one respect only but in 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 one respect it actually puts the villain and the hero in the same room at the climactic moment.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Which doesn't happen otherwise. Right,
0: yeah. No, it it doesn't, right? Like, uh, uh, the serious spoiler alert now, right? Like, when she wins in the book, she, like, um, unplugs the computer that's causing the bad thing to happen. Um, (laughs) Right? So it's
2: a naked gun solution to a (laughs) Hunger Games problem. That's what you're
0: saying. When she wins in the movie, she at least is there to, like, throw a knife through Kate Winslet's hand, uh, Starship Trooper style, <laughs> into this into the screen of the computer.
2: That was my favorite early cut of Titanic, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Uh don't let go jack i won't have to
0: (laughs) (laughs) right like and and actually puts uh actually sort of makes that happen right like the uh, in the book the the ending the the climactic scene feels uh really anticlimactic because there's been um there's been this uh uh, sort of impending showdown, and it nev- it never really comes. So even though she does win, it seems like it's on a it's on a technicality, and she doesn't actually face down um, face down the big bad. And again, like I I've only read the first book; I haven't read the, all the um, all the series. So maybe there's maybe there's something at play uh, in the second second and third books. But you know, we have the first film, and and you know, with it, we have the the first book. Um, to we have the first book to look at but the the uh, it really is like sort of it 's sort of a a, a story about self actualization right as the movie is is uh posited, right like it's it, the the big the the big sort of money shot of the movie is is uh Uh, This poor actress having to stand up and deliver the line, you know, it's like, I thought you were abnegation or dauntless. What are you? She says, I'm not those things. I'm divergent as the, you know, (laughs) as the (laughs) music. Oh,
2: yeah. (laughs) Explosion. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> she had the title and
2: titular line. So, would it be, it be really em- <laughs> em- would it be really... A <laughs> message. So, would it be really, uh, this is a ghost ship. Right, absolutely. Us. Then And then, like, the, or- <laughs>
0: and then the orca, the orca, like, jumps behind her and <laughs> crashes back down into the water.
2: So, wait, so wouldn't it be really embarrassing if the machine were just a mechanical Turk and there was just somebody inside it writing arbitrary faction names on pieces of paper and handing them out to people? Because uh, that's... A That's sort of a thought experiment question to hand out is that like how important to the existence of this system is it that you actually put people in factions related to their talents? Right, I mean, couldn't you just do the same thing By forcing children into these particular factions Whatever benefit is to To whoever is running this thing Which I assume is to the smart people, I guess Right, because they're like in charge They're the evil people or whatever Or is it just like, have we just like Ceded all control of humanity to a computer for no reason
0: No, no, it's, it's the um, smart people So the, the, yeah. the smart girls are bad Kate Winslet and her, her cronies her, her set of, you know, mean girls Like Amanda Seyfried And, and whoever the third mean girl was
1: So, Um, so from Party of Five.
0: Oh, Lacey Chabert, or Um, was it was it Scott
2: Wolf? No, um. (laughs) (laughs) but no, but it's like, is it important? Like, does it, it? So she shuts down the machine, or she stops somebody from classifying people. Can't they just just stop, like, put put it off for a week and then start classifying people again? Like, what is it about this machine that's so important? And like, why, like. Does that make sense? Am I I taking crazy pills?
1: No, it seems like person of interest. Um, But yeah, can't they just give a paper test for a few weeks until they get the system up and running again? Uh, maybe yes, maybe no. I'm I'm thinking now that maybe um. Pete, that's divergent. Thinking,
0: that's divergent thinking. You know. Oh, sorry,
1: I, sorry, sorry. It's... Um, that maybe the computer it's just like a random number generator and just throws people into groups willy nilly because I'm thinking of, uh, hey, rem- remember Star Trek uh, Deep Space Nine with the uh the trills. And uh, some of them are tested and they have the right personality to uh, get a little alien thing in their stomachs and their symbiotes. And they were told that like only the special people with special personalities and intelligence can, th- can get them. But later in the series, it's revealed that it's a big secret that almost everyone in the society could have the aliens inside them. It's just there aren't enough to go around. So it's like... Guys, of sort guys, of random. we
0: don't have enough creepy aliens for everybody right. crawling around like like weird brain-with-tail-looking aliens for everybody. I got everybody.
2: a solution, guys. <laughs> I got a solution. Hear me out. We'll have the creepy aliens have more sex with each other to produce more... No, no, no. no sit down, works, Mark. He... Go away, Mark. Oh, your, your, your suggestion is not welcome here. Go. (laughs) So about that dystopian aptitude test. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. So, I mean, is that literally what it is, Matt? Is it literally like there's a machine and they break the machine and it's like, well, that sucks. We can't run dystopian Chicago without that. IBM.
0: No, they, they they break the. Oh, so the machine that gets broken is actually a mind control machine, right? Oh, like,
3: oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gonna, I like, thought the people was going to like that
2: mind control. <laughs> oh, great, the vice? Great, great. That's awesome. So they just they are all mind. The reason they do things that don't make sense is because they have. A, hey, everybody, do things that don't make sense. Machine that they bought at Don't Make Sense Home Depot. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Let's 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 uh let's film a, a train chase and call it a day. <laughs> um. Yeah. The uh, the <laughs> haven't they been to the Midwest? You don't need mind control. People are very nice. They will do what is asked of them. They are hardworking, industrious, friendly people who are generally compliant with the wishes of authority figures.
1: <laughs> you know who is divergent from Chicago? Obama oh think about it
2: thanks obama is this movie about obama's america let me rephrase that how is this movie about obama's america <laughs> and benghazi, benghazi. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the end that's my one set uh, my one word paragraph
2: oh man boom drop the mic
1: <laughs> drop the mic comment
2: comment <laughs> benghazi oh man by the way there was a movie that came out this week where kevin sorbo plays a ph- philosophy professor <laughs> So, take that, Obama. No, that's the movie "God Is Not Dead," which was one of the box office leaders, despite a limited release. Uh, and Kevin Sorbo plays a philo- uh, dystopian philosophy professor who forces his students to adhere to atheism, and is defied by a brave a brave soul who chooses uh, not to not to believe what the professor says, but well, instead to believe what comes in his heart.
0: We're not really going to be able to talk about uh, any anything more having to do with the uh, the books or the films. Uh, even even how concerned Triss is in the film for her chastity how, how,
2: really? oh yeah why uh, how is, she, it's, how it's is that, she divergent if she doesn't have sex with people she, <laughs> should, she should have sex, sex
1: with one person from every faction <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't that called making the eight in Game of Thrones <laughs>
1: I don't remember that, but uh, I, I don't know. know that since I am the mother of
2: dragons now. Also. But
0: Little Littlefinger definitely gives a lot of instructions in how to make the eight, uh, and you know how <laughs>
2: Robert Baratheon, first of his name, king of the Andals, the Rhoynars, and the First Men, lord of the Seven Kingdoms, and protector of the realm, made the eight. Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> you don't want to do everything that Robert Baratheon did, though.
2: <laughs> you know what? That is that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> that is the thing that has made the most sense out of most of the things I've heard in this podcast. <laughs> what
0: was the uh, what was the uh what was the Robert Baratheon double dactyl in our Game of Thrones double dactyls?
1: Series? Oh god. <laughs> we need to do more of those.
2: Yeah, those were so good. Well, there's gonna be a whole bunch of new characters with new metrics. We can introduce I'm
1: gonna do one with a red viper. I'm gonna do a lot of things with the red viper.
2: <laughs> anyway. <laughs> That's something to look
0: forward to. Uh you know what I can't I can't find it through quick through quick googling. No, yes, yeah, she's very concerned for her for her chastity, right? Like um as in, in the book there is a uh, there is a yet a third machine, Pete, that like exposes your secret fears to the other brave people so that you all Why don't
2: they just make that the first machine so <laughs> that the movie can be interesting and just make everybody go use anyway, what
0: um, you say? And and uh it it turns out that that our heroine has uh a sort of normal early teenage fear as regards doing it. Um, you know, has some anxiety as regards doing it, uh, as a person who's never uh has never done it. Um And it's, you know, it's an interesting sort of psychological detail that gives her character the slightest bit of texture and, and, uh, and interest as a, as a sort of real people, as a sort of real person who has mixed feelings about things and stuff. Um, in the, uh, in the, uh, uh in the film they totally law and order svu it uh by sort of giving us a sexy sexy scene um where she is she is set upon by her love interest uh in a way that she does not uh like or consent to and uh she's she's concerned about preserving her chastity uh has no mixed feelings um uh, whatsoever and is just just uh negative as regards humping um, and like is, is, uh, you know, is like super upset, uh, that anyone might, might consider her one of the bad humping teenagers. Weird. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's not the greatest, uh, it's not the greatest adaptation. It is, it is a uh, step backwards, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> it
2: diverges
0: from the march of progress. In in the little, in the little bit, um,
1: all the other YA movie adaptations have been so good, so this is a, a rare miss.
2: <laughs> are you are you being sincere or are you being sarcastic? Sorry, sorry. that was
1: my cold you know, it, it makes insincerity happen. I
2: I'm s feel like every time I, I say I ask a sincere question I also am coming across as being negative and I don't mean to, Shana. I'm sorry.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm in the judgmental faction, so
2: Oh, fair enough. And I'm the talk too much faction, so there you go. So wait, as a YA author, Shana, yourself Is there anything about this genre that you can say concerning this movie? I know we are way we're over on time. We should probably wrap it up, but I I just I I feel like I don't want to let that go. Like we have an actual YA author on this podcast. Certainly, the genre has something to do with what's going on here.
1: Well, why, uh, uh, as a genre has sort of moved on from that sort of uh, dystopian story, uh, the movies are i don 't know maybe five years behind where the books are we 're going to get um, oh, what 's uh, the
0: new hotness
1: well in movies it 's going to be the uh, fault in our stars by John Green, who is um, and we 're going to have What's her name? Woodley, who plays Tris in that one as well, because she's in every YA adaptation now, apparently. Um, so that's one of your uh, kids dying of cancer, fall in love, and it, but they're like quirky and they speak like they're in graduate school, but like uh, kind of like hipstery, cool oh, graduate great. students. So it
0: swung back around to Dawson's Creek again is what you're saying.
1: Uh, Ish. I mean, in a more quirky fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Although no Pacey, so a little sad. Um, Yeah, they're going more towards realism at the moment. Uh, So get ready for that.
2: Cool. But but I you, got, act- you heard it here first. Well, go
1: ahead. You know, from what I understand... Well, I don't know. I, I don't think they've been making as many uh, movie deals. There was an article, I forget what it was in, some big newspaper or magazine about how um, the uh, YA bubble is, seems to maybe be bursting now, um, you know, getting uh smaller advances uh not as many movie deals which is unsurprising uh given how not well most of these movies have done although Hunger Games is is doing all right um, but uh yeah i guess uh maybe uh why is moving on from the the grim dark thing that they were doing for a while i appreciate that uh you know they move on from grim dark to kids dying of cancer so maybe it's not much of a shift <laughs> but, uh, this is, I don't know if that answers your question.
2: So, wait, are, then as a young adult novel, if the industry is moving on, are you moving on? I mean, I know you, because you wrote fantasy historical fiction for your first published YA novel. Are you working on a project that takes you in a new genre direction?
1: Oh, uh, I've been working on a bunch of things, but nothing serious at the moment. I'm, uh, I'm what do you, what, I'm not uh, committing, I'm, uh, I'm, I fear commitment.
2: Well, I learned that from the machine. I, that's, <laughs> the machine that says everybody fears commitments, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> like a lot, right? Like a lot of teenagers. Also, like a lot of teenagers. Um, it's time to wrap up. That was a terrible segue.
2: That was an awesome segue. Own it. <laughs> own that awesome segue about wrapping it up. I'm not in the segue. The
1: podcast is (laughs) self-actualizing. That's what's Uh,
2: happening. There you go.
0: We're going to, um, we're going to uh, be back next week with more. Uh, In the meantime, if you have something you would like to say about divergent, about dystopian, grim, uh, unpleasant young adult fiction uh, about um, why divergent is like top gun, uh, a topic that I didn't manage to get to, but that I leave as an exercise to the listener. Um, you can uh, leave a comment on the show notes, email the email that no one ever emails, or call the phone number that no one ever calls. Um, not that we're passive-aggressive or anything. Uh, we'll be back next week with passive another...
1: aggressive faction. We need that one.
2: <laughs> I oh, mean, do we?
0: If that's... I, think, do we... <laughs> I mean, if you say so. Uh, wow!
1: Well, everyone caught my cold.
2: <laughs> we'll be back the virus next. It's in the open. The back. virus. The virus is in the open. Oh, really? The virus is in the open. <laughs> it's got me. <laughs> Run for your lives! Run for your lives! Yeah, really. Run for your lives.
0: Okay, Sanford Meisner. We're going to be back next week with episode three hundred of uh the overthinking it podcast until then uh you can you visit us. Say
1: this is sparta <laughs> sorry i had to jump in with that because 300 all right never mind continue
0: you really should listen to our show shayna i mean if you if you have the time <laughs> uh, and it's i've been i
1: i have a backlog
0: and it's not too much trouble you know uh until then we'll be sniping at each other and overthinking it where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it It probably probably doesn't doesn't deserve. deserve or maybe it does whatever's okay with you
2: so 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 top gun something quick about top gun
0: it's um, it's a long training sequence followed by one real mission with a Maverick or Divergent who you know turns out is the key to the whole. Who's you know free thinking is the key to the whole thing.
3: Did they also ride into the, the danger zone? <laughs> yes. Did they Except football? they take a train into
0: the
1: <laughs>
3: danger zone.
1: Train
2: into the. It, you don't dangerous. want to
1: drive in Chicago. Public transportation. That's how you know it's a dystopia.